And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Called Churches, and founder and president of STAND, staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening, your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. And I am he. Great to be with you again today, folks. A lot of news today, but we're going to break away from the main or top stories of the day. We're going to talk today with uh, Professor Dr. Rich, who's been on this program before. And we're going to talk about COVID in hindsight now, looking back. Because this man, he's been on this program a couple times, and he has always given us the straight scoop. I never had the feeling that he had any kind of axe to grind. A real man of science. Not this nonsense that we've gotten from Fauci and so many others, which is politicized science, which is not science at all. Uh, and I, I've got a clip. I'm not going to be able to share it with you today because I've got too many other things to do, but I'm going to share it with you. You know, people with common sense have been challenging Fauci all along, and he's simply, he's too arrogant to listen. Do you hear about this PBS documentary they're doing on him? And of course, they go through his house. Have you ever heard of anybody decorating their house with their own portrait photographs? Now, folks, uh, we all ought to have a healthy self-esteem. We ought to be be thankful to God for who we are. I don't have portraits of myself around my house. I it, it just it's weird. I mean, really, it's megalomaniacal. Uh, it's 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 you're being a megalomaniac. I was trying to get out megalomaniacal, <laughs> but you're being a megalomaniac. I mean, in front of his desk, a great big portrait of himself. I mean, I've got portraits of George Washington. I've got, you know, pictures that depict Jesus um, at the wedding at Cana. Pictures of my family, of course. Uh, my my grandmother. I've got a portrait of my grandmother that's over 100 years old. But pictures of himself? So you sit there. You sit there at your desk and all you do is stare at, uh, folks, there's something wrong with that man. Uh, there really is. Uh, you know what? We've got the clip now. And since uh, my guest won't be on until the next segment, I want you to listen to this little exchange with just an ordinary citizen in Washington, D.C., while Fauci is trying to sell his, basically his con game. People in America are not settled with the information that's been given to us right now so i'm not going to be lining up taking a shot on a vaccination for something that wasn't clear in the first place and then you all create a shot in miraculous time it takes years to create vaccinations well it it used to take years okay it used to you know how you know how many years were invested in this in this approach about 20 years of science to get us to be able to do it not enough 
and nine months is definitely not no. enough for nobody to be taking no vaccination that you all came up with. The only yeah. reason I'm talking to you right now, as close as we are, is that I've been vaccinated. Right. But if it allow thousands of people like you don't get vaccinated, you're going to let this virus continue to percolate in this country and in this world. Something like the common flu then, right? And, and not like, not it's like much the more serious flu. than the flu. Though. Well, the flu kills a lot of people annually yeah. too. You know how many people died of the flu the last year? I mean, not this year, virtually none, but the previous year, about 20 to 30,000. You know how many people have died from COVID-19 in the United States? 600,000 Americans. Well, you, well, that, well the, the number that you all given that died, that, that once again, that's you all's number. You gonna pass. Yeah, definitely. Because right. when, when you start talking about paying people to get vaccinated, when you start talking about incentivizing things to get people vaccinated, there's something else going on with that. Something yeah, else, something it, else I, going it on is something going on. You're right, but I'm glad millions of people like me and most everybody here didn't get an incentive. You know what their incentive was? Protecting their health and protecting the city. Well, but that, I, I, well, I won't keep okay, you anymore. It's okay because my my my, my incentive y'all campaign is about fear. It's about inciting fear in people. You all attack people with fear. That's what this pandemic is. It's a fear. It's fear. This pandemic. That's all it is. You know, <laughs> I just love that because as I've said to you all many times, how is it that we, I, you, some of you have degrees in science, no doubt. I don't. This guy talking clearly doesn't. How is it that people with just basic common sense raise the right issues? Now, that was Mayor Muriel Bowser, I think, a former mayor of D.C., she lied to that man's face. Now, maybe she didn't know she was telling a lie. She said, the only reason why I'm able to stand here close to you is because I've been vaccinated. Well, now we know that being so-called vaccinated does not stop you from getting COVID and it does not stop you from transmitting COVID. So she stood there and told that man a bold-faced lie that it basically, you get this and, and we, can, we can get close to each other and talk. And remember, we were all expecting that the mask would come down once the, the, everybody's being vaccinated now, right? No more masks. They said, oh, no, 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 you, you, you still have to wear the mask. And I believe it's because they knew that the vaccine, the shot, the jab, was not going to stop you from getting COVID and not going to stop you from spreading it. So thank God for people in this country with good old common sense who raised the right questions. He said, well, you know, 600,000 at that time, that's your number. Because we know that many deaths were attributed to COVID that were not COVID deaths, including motorcycle accidents. In other words, any time somebody passed away and they could find some vestige of the vaccine in their bodies, they attributed the death to COVID. But isn't that interesting? All these people dropping dead today, they're not attributing any of that to COVID. They don't even want to talk about that issue. I've got another news story in my file today about a young man, 19 years old, once again, drops dead. I mean, how many of these do we have to see? In fact, I had an article that I shared with you yesterday from the Epic Times, I believe it was yesterday, uh, talking about people finally taking a look at this and realizing that there are, I don't know whether I got to that article. You know what? I should uh, get to that. Uh, if I can, I'll do, I'll, 
at least talked to Dr. Harvey Reich about it today, but basically pointing out there is a spike in deaths in America. Where's that coming from? Why, why all of a sudden? Are we now witnessing what all of us warned about? You've got an experimental drug. Nobody knows the long-term impact. And yet you are forcing everyone to get it? Well, now those chickens are coming home to roost. But Fauci, acting as if he's God, is still saying, Oh, no, no, no. We, everything we did was based on science. And that's another lie he's told. That's why I say the man ought to be in jail. He ought to be in jail for lying to Congress. He ought to be in jail for lying to the American people, although that's technically not a crime. So I probably can't put him in jail for that. But when people in public service do things and say things that cause great harm to the American people, there really ought to be a criminal price to pay. I'm serious. It's different if you make a mistake in good faith, and that can be easily demonstrated. But when you just flat out lie to people, you know what Fauci's primary concern was throughout the whole pandemic? Fauci. Back in a moment with our guest. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. You know, Stephen Moore asked an important question. What if federal workers never showed up for work and no one ever missed them? He says that may be one of the greatest federal government scandals. Over the last three years, many hundreds of thousands of federal employees have been getting a full-time paycheck but they've not been showing up for work. Now, just because they aren't at their desk doesn't mean they aren't working. No doubt some are working just as hard. But considering the staggering fact that at the end of 2022, only about one in three federal bureaucrats were on the job in the office. Since the pandemic and lockdowns, more employees in the private sector have been working remotely, but more and more of them are in the office. But that's not what is happening in the federal bureaucracy. Most of them are at home, even though many of these federal jobs cannot and should not be done remotely. Stephen Moore reminds us that the COVID scare ended two and a half years ago, and most private businesses have demanded their employees show up for work at least some of the time, or at least find a new employer. That threat doesn't exist for the 1.9 million federal employees who often make more than $100,000 a year in salaries and benefits. He also wonders if this absence from the federal workplace has a silver lining. You may have noticed, as he has noticed, that there isn't much difference whether these workers are on the job or not. We are nearing the possibility of a government shutdown over the debt ceiling vote. But it's possible that we really wouldn't notice much of a difference if the government shuts down for a time, since most of these federal workers aren't on the job anyway. So to answer that first question, we didn't know these federal workers weren't on the job because we never really missed them. And perhaps we don't really need them after all. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Racism, go to viewpoints.info slash racism. That's viewpoints.info slash racism. Do you ever find that when you sit down to pray, a thousand distracting thoughts cross your mind? The English poet John Donne described this problem well. Here's what he said. 
a memory of yesterday's pleasures, a fear of tomorrow's dangers, a straw under my knee, a noise in my ear, a light in mine eye, an anything, a nothing, a fancy, a chimera in my brain, troubles me in my prayer. Can you relate? I found that it takes some time to get a quiet heart before the Lord. So sometimes I start by singing a worship chorus or reading a psalm out loud, asking the Lord to settle my heart. When I'm struggling to concentrate, I also ask God to help me do what's described in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, where it says that we are to take every thought captive to obey Christ. With Seeking Him, I'm Nancy DeMoss Wagamuth. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Folks, Dr. Harvey Risch is a professor emeritus at epidemiology in the Department of Epidemiology and Public Health at the Yale School of Public Health and the Yale School of Medicine. I don't have time to read you his many achievements in the field of medicine and science. Uh, Suffice to say that uh, he is the author of more than 400 original peer-reviewed research publications in medical literature, and those research papers have been cited by other scientific publications more than 47,000 times. Uh, he is, he was for six years a member of the board of editors of the American Journal of Epidemiology. So he is an accomplished physician and scientist. Dr. Rich, thank you so much for joining us again. It's always a pleasure to have you on uh, and, and looking forward to this discussion. And so, um, first of all, let me just ask you, now we're looking at COVID kind of in the rearview mirror or looking at it in hindsight, the, the, the crisis is over. Any, any major insights, lessons, things that you think we ought to learn that we never repeat again? Uh, it's nice to be with you. And uh, to answer your question, we've learned a lot. And I'll say they, they've learned a lot, um, the people who put this on us. And the crisis was over more than a year ago, January of 2020, we knew the crisis was over when the Omicron strain of the virus had taken over from all the previous strains because Omicron is a flu-like illness that is no worse than the flu, which doesn't mean it's a zero. Uh, It's still, for most people, annoying, uncomfortable, something to get through, but very, very few people are seriously affected with it. And, and we, that can be managed if, if a, a physician is objective and, and properly informed about how to do that. And there are doctors who do that. But in any event, this is a flu-like illness at the worst, and we don't stigmatize flu-like illnesses and call them pandemics. We tolerate them as a society in stride and, and respond to them appropriately, but not disrupt our entire society over them. And we knew this a year ago. The CDC admitted this. Uh, reluctantly on August 11th of last year when they said that the vaccines don't work. And, um, and, and so it, it, it has been basically a propped up a panic, probably from the beginning, but for, for certain um, for more than a year now. Now, look, you, you have such 
powerful credentials that it has to be hard to try to discredit someone like you when you raise questions about these things. Are you concerned that science is becoming so politicized that it's not really science that people can trust anymore because they don't know whether they're hearing real science or they're hearing somebody's political version of, of some scientific issue and, and, and with a view that they want people to adopt whether it's actually right or not? It's not just people. It's scientists also have the same problem, that the medical journals that have uh, advertising or support from the pharma industry are corrupted, and uh, it's very difficult to understand what's true without you know, going deeply into each and every paper and figuring it out for yourself, and even you know, at a professional level. And even then, there are things that authors and investigators can do and not clearly report on in the papers, and so you ha- even have to know the investigators to know whether they're really up and up or not. And so this is a big problem. It's a wild west in, in medical knowledge now. And it's not just from politics. Politics it kind of took the opportunity to meddle into the science for political benefit once that opportunity arose. But it's not just that. It's that everybody who's got money at stake in the scientific and medicine arena has an interest in promoting his or her interest or his or her company's interest at the expense of accuracy and and scientific truth. Science is always something that one debates, that there's always more than one opinion, and that you debate the evidence to come up with the current understanding, which evolves as new evidence arises. That is how science works uh, optimally. It is not done by pontificating. It is not done by panels of scientists get to get, getting together to make consensus statements. It's not done by medical organizations getting doctors together to make consensus statements. That is not scientific at all. That is basically anti-science. And science, unfortunately, has to be done by each person who has to wade in it and get their, their hands messy, so to speak, in figuring out what's going on. And it's not a, a simple matter today because of how much all of these untoward academic effects, these, these biases on people's approach to their own interests, have meddled into science. And so th- this is a, a really big problem. And it's compounded by a, a, a very great scientific illiteracy in the general public. And even, I have to say, scientific illiteracy among scientists who think that scientific theories are actually scientific. That, you remember, the definition of science is doing observational or experimental work to support or refute theories. So the theories that we entertain as scientists are only theories until we have empirical data, say, in, in humans or in animals or whatever one's studying, to support the theories. When you have the data, that's when, you have, when you've done the science. When you, when you do the empirical, observational, or experimental work, to support the theories, then you have science. The theories themselves only motivate it. But, but what's happened is, over the last three years, we've seen just constant theorizing, uh, you know, across the, the public discussion, and those theories, which may be plausible, are not true until you actually prove them with, with the scientific research. Scientific research is rarely ever debated 
or discussed in public, only the theory. So we don't. So th- this whole problem is censorship because the censorship has blocked the the public discussion and debate on the on the scientific evidence, and so that's really where we're at. And censorship would would only serve to inhibit scientific advancement, correct? Because now you can't have a free and open debate and discussion on what is true, what theories actually prove out. Here again, it becomes the the influence of the money, the influence of politics. And you're right. I, I know that politics is not the sole factor. But once people start taking sides on the basis of something other than what is true, but rather on the basis of whose side am I on, all of this stuff, it seems to me, serves to suppress real scientific advancement and achievement. Am I right? Absolutely right. And you have to realize that if, if the censorship is operating, censorship is only used because you can't defend your side, so you censor instead. If a, a, a side, a party, has scientific evidence that supports its stance in a debate, it can debate, right? Because then it can use the, the, the data, the science, mm-hmm. the, the, the scientific materials to argue for the viewpoint. But if you know that will fail or that you know your argument is weak or you don't even have data or, or support, then the only recourse is censorship. So when one side is censoring, that's proof that they can't argue the point scientifically. Now, a lot of people are concerned about, and this is anecdotal, I did read one article suggesting that there's been some study now where some studies have begun on uh, myocarditis, endocarditis, uh, some of these adverse events that are continuing to happen. Uh, apparently, uh, some are arguing that there's been a spike in sudden deaths, particularly among young people. Um, do we need to be concerned about the long-term impact of this shot? Uh, and and how are we going to really figure out whether this thing ultimately has done lasting damage on a lot of people? So the answer is both yes and no, that there are substantial adverse uh, effects of the vaccinations, but they are not at the moment that widespread that it's something that pe- people accept those who have chronic conditions that put them at elevated risk of bad outcomes, you know, would need to discuss with their doctors. For most people, it's not an issue, but we're talking about, <clears throat> in young men, say, um, something on the order of 1 in 200. So 1 in 200 is not a risk that most people would worry about much. But on the other hand, it's not zero, and it's something mm-hmm. to be aware of in case you need to check it. And uh, in the longer term, we've seen from the insurance company data, and not just one insurance company, but five or six, both in the United States and internationally, are, are an excess all-cause mortality that started um, in the about nine months after the rollout of the vaccines, and continued. It started in fall of, of 2021 continued into 2022. I don't have full data for 2022 yet, but I know that at least the first half of 2022, there was between a 25 and 40 percent increase in unexplained all-cause mortality that followed the the vaccine rollout. Does that prove it was caused by the vaccines? No, but there's no other cosmic events. It wasn't sunspots that did this. 
you know, so there's nothing else large-scale enough that affected that large of a population, and not just the United States, to have caused something that has never happened like this. And so the only thing that's of relevance is, and, and these are people dying from things like heart attacks and, uh, and, and strokes and so on that are largely related to areas and organs in the body where the spike protein gets from vaccination. Folks, my, de- my, my guest is Dr. Harvey Rich, and we're talking about COVID now in the aftermath. Uh, I want you to have an opportunity to ask him any questions. 888-589-8840. We'll be back in a moment. It's my turn. Here is your host for My Turn, Don Wildman. Two words can make a tremendous difference in the life of an individual. Those two words are very small and very simple words. Keep trying. When we hit an obstacle in life, when life becomes hard and difficult, as it often does, We need to remember and practice those two words. As long as we keep trying, we are giving God a chance to help. There's an old proverb which goes something like this. God helps those who help themselves. And you can be certain that he does. God wants our best dreams, our highest ambitions to come true. In one sense of the word, God is on our side. I am with you to the end, Jesus said. That means we never have to face life alone. As long as we keep trying, we can be assured of God's help. This means trying in the midst of failure and despair. Edmund Burke, the British statesman, put it this way, never despair. But if you do work on in despair, keep trying, work on in despair. And you know, as long as you keep trying, you keep hope alive within you. A person never loses hope until he quits trying. Hope is one of the most priceless and precious qualities one can have. Hope means believing and trusting and working. Hope is a positive attitude. A man by the name of Hickson once wrote, If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Life is much more enjoyable when you believe the best and work for the highest. When you give in or give up, hope dies. But it lives as long as you keep trying. Then remember also that as long as you keep trying, you have a chance to reach your goal. When you quit, that chance is gone. A very important sentence found in the book of books goes like this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Many a thing that couldn't be done has been done because one person kept trying. He kept at it, giving God a chance to help and keeping hope alive inside himself. A minister was once asked to define perseverance. He gave a quite complete definition. It means first to take hold, second to hold on, third and last to never let go. Well, it's a pretty good prescription for the faint of heart to use. Two lines from the poet's pen put it this way. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you mustn't quit. 
from experience, I know it to be true. The ability to keep trying is a very valuable virtue. The next time life deals a crushing blow, and it will, stand on your feet and go at it again. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Life can never defeat a person whose mind and heart are saturated with the power of that phrase. Think on it, believe it, and keep trying. You will make it if you do. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. So we're no longer in a COVID crisis, but we're experiencing the aftermath, and there's still a lot of questions that people have, not only about the way the whole pandemic was dealt with and conducted, but what are the, the, the after effects? How are people being affected by this? My guest is Dr. Harvey Reese. She's Professor Emeritus of Epidemiology at the Department of Epidemiology and Public Health at the Yale School of Public Health. Dr. Rich, we're going to take some questions from our callers. Uh, and, of course, this is an issue that is a hot topic still for a lot of people. So we really, really appreciate you staying over to answer some questions from our listeners. So let's go to Laurie in Ohio. Laurie, welcome. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um my husband uh, had a mild case of COVID. We are not vaccinated, and um, he has had long COVID symptoms, severe tinnitus, can't taste or smell since October of 2021. And where's the help for all this, you know? And there's so many. He's got Facebook pages started. There's thousands of people who are suffering with tinnitus um, because of the vaccine and the COVID infection. So I'm just kind of hoping there's some kind of hope somewhere for these people. Okay, Laurie, we'll be praying for you and for your husband. Thank you for the call. Dr. Rich, where does she look? Uh, That's a long time to be suffering, and and it's really unpleasant and and difficult. Um, We have been in uncharted medical territory dealing with long COVID, and it's really not long COVID. It's a misnomer. It's long respiratory virus syndrome, because flu and even other respiratory viruses can cause many of the same long-term symptoms. I have to say that I'm affiliated with a a startup company called The Wellness Company that is trying to treat people with long COVID and with vaccine injuries, and the symptoms and signs overlap between the two, and using various supplements uh, and medications to try to help, and while having suffered for a long time seems to suggest that this has made it into a chronic problem, I wouldn't give up hope on this without actually trying um, some of the recommendations, suggestions that they do. So if I can give the the, uh, web link, it's twc.health, the wellness company, twc.health. And they are providing uh, face-to-face by Zoom uh, medical, primary medical care, are um, spending most of their time dealing with long COVID and vaccine injuries. And if they can't 
you know, if they don't know how to help after trying, they'll make recommendations for other doctors to see who, who may be helpful. It's a difficult problem because we just don't know enough yet about <clears throat> how, how to approach this, but I think we're gradually learning, and so there are medications that they're using, and I would say it's definitely worth trying. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the call, Laurie. Let's go to Kayla in Texas. Hi, gentlemen. So my question is, I had COVID back in 21, and I ended up with a mini-stroke, what appears to be a mini-stroke a year a year ago, actually, almost to the day, on the, the Friday before Good Friday. It will be a year that I had a mini-stroke. I'm doing great, praise the Lord, glory be to God. Um, is there any relation, I did not get vaccinated, by the way, is there any relation to the shedding that could possibly be causing health problems and other people that we're in contact with? I think Thank you, that, uh, that it's not likely that the shedding is something that can occur with very close intimate contact um, with someone who's been recently vaccinated that the um, vaccine manufacturers know about and have commented about, and people anecdotally have reported things like changes in menstrual cycles of women whose partners have been recently vaccinated. Um, it's hard to know how much this really matters. Irregular menstrual cycles usually <clears throat> tend to resolve over time, so that's not usually a big deal. Um, having had a stroke a year later is very difficult to associate with, with COVID. It's, it's not very common. And it, if, you, if your doctor is thoughtful about it, may want to investigate other parts of your medical history to see whether you have any other risk factors that would have predisposed to try to figure out how to help you. Okay, let's go to Candy in Kentucky. Candy, welcome. Hi, Dr. Reese. Um, I am an unvaccinated woman with obesity, diabetes, heart failure, and multiple sclerosis and disease-modifying therapies. And I have chosen not to get the vaccine for a variety of reasons, but, you know, there's lots of them. And I have been protecting myself by staying home mostly, but I don't, I don't go anywhere inside without a, an N95, and I don't ever eat in a restaurant or any of that stuff. Is it time for me to start to maybe move away from that some now, or should I continue to do what I've been doing? Thank you, Candy. Well, I think that there's a risk trade-off that you have to decide for yourself. But given that Omicron is generally a mild illness, even with your conditions, that um, there's still reason to get your life back together, so to speak. And I think that we know that in, in, even in Omicron, that um, the medications, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, um, steroids, non-steroids, uh, budesonide, which is an inhaled steroid, vitamin D, of course, you should have very adequate vitamin D levels in your bloodstream. So, And for almost everybody, this, this means taking vitamin D tablets daily um, is something to consider. And you would be well advised to find a physician who's kind of looking over your shoulder who would be willing to treat you if you got COVID, given your your health issues. 
and uh, the wellness company is doing that also, but you should probably better have a local doctor who who you can find who's actually willing to take these issues seriously for preventing anything that would be serious if it were to happen, although I don't think it's still all that likely, but you still have to cover it. Okay. We're short on the break, folks, but so get to your question quickly, and we'll try to get an answer to you quickly. Beth in Michigan. Beth, welcome. Hi. uh, I'm curious about the remdesivir. Has anybody done any research into whether the deaths main deaths were caused by the remdesivir as opposed to actually having the COVID virus, because that was the only medicine that you were allowed to get when you went into a hospital, at least here in Michigan, was remdesivir, which has been known to shut down your kidneys and put fluid on your heart. Has anybody researched that now that things have calmed down? Well, remdesivir should not be used by anybody. It's a harmful medication that has no evidence of benefit. What uh, Dr. Fauci purported to claim as benefit when he sat on the couch in the Oval Office making that statement was a fraud. He stopped the study early. He unblinded it. He switched the the outcome of interest in the middle of the study. All of that violates the principles of carrying out randomized controlled trials. The 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 study has not been shown to to protect people and only causes harm. Nobody should be using remdesivir. Dr. Rich, do you have another 10 minutes? Because the, the lines sure. are full. Okay, all right, great. Then we'll keep you on past the break. Uh, let me ask you a quick question. My son had long COVID, or at least that's the way we saw it. He developed pneumonia, COVID pneumonia, and it, 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 it got to be very hairy for a while. He's doing great now, thank God. Uh, is that long COVID, and to what extent you mentioned these various viruses, is pneumonia another one of these complicating things that can that can really make COVID a lot more serious? Yes, and this was especially true in the strains of COVID before Omicron evolved. So before, um, this up through December of 2021, the, uh, this was much more of a problem. The antibiotics, azithromycin, doxycycline, and others were useful for that. Uh, as were steroids, and doctors knew how to treat it, and we're treating it. But as you say, it, it, it was kind of difficult to get through for some people. Folks, my guest is Dr. Harvey Rich, and uh, this, this is an important discussion to have in the aftermath of COVID when people are still being, frankly, in some cases, harassed to get this shot. Stand by. We'll come back in a moment to take more of your calls. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks One-Year Scholarship Program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session begins August 19th. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net.
Let's be real. Retirement is expensive and inflation is making it even harder with the cost of everything going up from pet food to a dozen eggs. Wouldn't it be great if the cost of your health care could go down? Well, MediShare 65 plus is $99 a month for ages 65 to 74. And for many with Medicare Parts A and B looking at other options, that's 50% or more saved per month. No gimmicks. It's $99 a month, and you can use any Medicare-approved doctor or facility, and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet, MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that will pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. Call now. You can learn more about MediShare 65+. Here's the number, 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE, 833-45-BIBLE. My oldest daughter was asked by someone, what do you like most about your father? It may be that God is prompting you to ask forgiveness from your child. She didn't say, well, he's the pastor of a well-known church, he's on the radio, he writes books. She didn't say anything like that. She said, what I appreciated most is that when he was wrong, he asked us to forgive him. And that is what she remembers. Wow. That's what she remembers. Yeah, that's powerful. So parents out there, remember this. If you have wronged your child, take that step and ask for forgiveness. It may be the bridge by which your child will come back to you and God. It may not be. But still, you have the responsibility of doing that. Hear more from Dr. Lutzer about being a godly parent at FamilyMinute.org. Back to The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. We're on with Dr. Harvey Rich, and we're answering your questions about COVID. Now, in the aftermath of the pandemic, looking back at it, Uh, Still trying to navigate what is the best approach to take, given all the options that are out there and given all the things that we're now hearing about uh, adverse effects and the like. Uh, Dr. Harvey Rich is an epidemiology expert, and he's in a position to answer these questions. The number is 888-589-8840. Let's go to Bill in Mississippi. Bill, welcome. Welcome. Hey, Bishop. I just thought I'd let you all know that uh, my son was clean, tested negative. Uh, once he was ejected, he test, that was with the Moderna. He checked positive. He was a carrier. The reason everybody's coming down with it is the fear factor, the stress factor. Stress brings your body voltage down. You can simply get it recharged with a, a, a what they call a rife machine. No. Okay. All, all, all right, Bill. Listen. Let's 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 let the. Thank you. Thank you for the call, Bill. Let's let the doctor respond to what the best way is to keep our immune system strong. Because I think that's what you're getting at, Doctor Rich. Right. Right. Vitamin D, uh, moderate exercise, sunshine, and did I say vitamin D? Vitamin D. Yes. <laughs> right. And um, I think that that's, you know, and, and adequate sleep, uh, you know, I, basically a, a sense of a positive outlook on life. Those are all things that, that promote good immune function. 
And by the way, I am happy to report that since I had you on the program, and that's been, oh my goodness, I think the first time you were on is probably about a year ago, I have been taking a vitamin D supplement every day since, and I wasn't taking it before. Uh, and well, my wife and I, we've actually yes, learned something about that, which is that vitamin. There's now evidence that vitamin D should also be taken with vitamin K2. Vitamin K2 helps the calcium that the vitamin D brings in. It helps the calcium go to the bone and not to the arteries, which is where you want. And these things are are very inexpensive. The last I saw on Amazon, I found there's a vitamin D and K2 combined supplement. It costs six cents a day. So, you know, we're talking about things that are, are pretty affordable for almost everybody. Vitamin D and K2. By the way, I got kicked off of YouTube for talking about natural immunity. As you know, there was a blackout on talking about natural immunity for a long time. You, you weren't even allowed to bring it up. Um, my wife and I had it back in November of 2020, and we've had friends who got vaccinated who've had it two or three times since. We have not had it at all. Uh, and I think you talked a little bit about that one time we were on, how for some people getting this shot made them more susceptible to getting the virus the second or third time. Yes, there's a study from the Cleveland Clinic that looked at their 40,000 or some thousands of numbers of employees and found that they had employees that ranged in numbers of shots from zero, one, two, three, and more than three. And they found that the more shots person took, the more likely they were to get infected at each step from going from zero to one, one to two, and so on. So the, the, the vaccines are acting like a supercharged insult to the immune system that kind of blinds it in some respects to being able to work as well to COVID infections. And I, I've seen personal examples uh, of people who've been vaxxed three or four times and have had COVID three times or more. Um, so that's anecdotal, but, but it, it's happening. And, and I think that mostly the, the infections are still mild, you know, in the Omicron era in particular, that these multiple infections are, again, they're mostly annoying, and, uh, but not all that consequential. Okay, let's go to Dwayne in Ohio. Dwayne, welcome. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. Last year at this time, I had COVID. I was in the hospital for four months. I did not get the shot. The COVID, I had along with the flu at the same time, so they told me. And it progressed to pneumonia. They put me on a ventilator. They ended up doing a tracheotomy on me. I had to learn how to walk all over again. And uh, I've been home now since the middle of June. So they uh, assigned me a home health physical mm -hmm. therapist, which has helped, but that's been since now December. And I'm not fully well yet, and I am desperate to get all the way back. And uh, You, you want to you know, Dwayne, what, what, what can you do to help aid in that process? Yeah, I take vitamin D. Um, this is the first time I've heard of the vitamin K. Um, they should say I, I, I refuse the remdesivir while I was in the hospital, so I was... I was depending on a lot of prayer. All right, and Dwayne. Well, you still have it, my friend. Thank you for the call. Go ahead, Dr. Rish. This is um, quite remarkable, and consider yourself very lucky, actually. Um, th these kinds of illnesses do happen, although they're rare. And, 
you know, to say something is rare is good as long as it's not you <laughs> in reality. Um, but when they're you, then you really have to deal with it. And, and this was a, a very difficult episode to have to get through. Um, I don't know whether you received hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin treatment before you were hospitalized. That's what we recommend for treatment and what help, uh, particularly before Omicron, for people. It, again, it isn't foolproof. Nothing is foolproof in medicine. So um, you, I think treatment has to be appropriately aggressive and not passive. And and that's really the only way that good medicine is practiced and not by checklists made by consensus panels um, corrupted by the CDC and the FDA. So I'm glad that, that everything is working out and just stick to it. Just keep doing what you can to to improve your your condition and the improvement is incremental. You may not see it on a day-to-day basis, but you'll see it on a week or a month-to-month basis. Amen. And keep that prayer going, Dwayne. Let's go to Brenda in Louisiana. Brenda, welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Um, I had, it's, it's just now a month that we, we haven't been vaccinated and we had both had COVID last month. But when, after I got, well, when I got it, it just like, I had anxiety and I still am fighting anxiety just horribly. I am taking some uh, medicine, but it's still, it's like it, it's helping, but you know, I don't know if I've not been taking it long enough, but it really just, it really, really was bad. Is that something that happens? Thank you for the call, Brenda. It can. Uh, it, this, this is a very strange uh, illness that can have, uh, as you know, uh, like loss of uh, smell and taste, and it can have psychological effects. People can get depressed. Everybody, almost everybody, gets really tired. Um, and anxiety can happen too. And the best thing to know is it's not you, it's the infection just doing its strange thing and take it in stride and do the best you can and be optimistic about getting through it. When I had it, I had no loss of smell. Uh, I would not a loss of taste. There 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 were a couple things that tasted differently to me. But my loss of taste and my loss of, uh, I, mean, I had no loss of taste and, and my appetite maintained. But you just said it, fatigue. I mean, just the sense of being spent. That was the major symptom that I had. No cough, no breathing problems, but and, and a fever, but just the sense of being very, very tired. So this thing can affect different people in all kinds of different ways, apparently. Okay, well, wow, we're running short on time. Let's Let's try to get to... Uh, let's go to Brenda in West Virginia. Brenda, welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, I, uh, when they first started talking about getting COVID, uh, the shot, uh, I went ahead and got to because of my age. Within two months, I had blood clots and was hospitalized, and they had me on Eliquis, uh, blood thinner, um, I have to go to the cancer center to get that refill. And when I told the PA that saw me uh, about, I believe that the COVID shots caused me to get the blood clots, she he hauled around a little bit before she said, well, we don't really know why you're having a blood clots, so mm. we're going to keep you on Eloquist for life. Okay. And all then right. Brenda, Brenda, we are. 
Uh, okay, we got we got the gist of it, Brendan. We're just so very short on time. Forgive me. Uh, let's give Dr. Rich an opportunity to respond to these blood clots. Uh, it probably, in my opinion, is likely to have been caused by the vaccination, and there are biochemical tests that could be done to get evidence for that fact, at least in the time frame when the blood clots were occurring. And Eliquis is a good medication to use to protect you from further potential blood clots. And you should evaluate it every six months or every year to see how you're doing. And that's how I would approach it. Just before we go, because we don't have time to take another question. Do, do Are there people, how many doctors and hospitals around the country really have a handle on this and know what they're doing? Or are there very few and the rest are just kind of groping in the dark? Well, I think that nobody knows perfectly that there's a lot of knowledge that's been gained about the medications, about treatment, about treatment for outpatients, treatment for hospital patients. Very few hospitals are actually allowing doctors to be doctors to do that. That's why we set up our the wellness company to get around all of this limitation and corruption of the medical care system to let doctors just do what they do best and, and use their expertise to, to treat patients one at a time. T- tell um, people again, uh, before we have to go, how can they get in touch with your wellness center? So it, it's twc.health, and there, there's links there. We also have lots of information about COVID and its treatment, of things that we know about and that we're exploring and supplements and their benefits, the rationale, the scientific evidence for the supplements that, that the doctors recommend, and so on. It, it's a, a very informative website, and I, I encourage people to look at it. Dr. Harvey Rich, it is always a pleasure. I've, I've said about you, I don't ever feel that you've got an axe to grind or you're trying to politicize science. You're simply giving us the straight scoop as you understand it, and I really do appreciate that. Keep up the good work, and God bless. Thanks. Great to be with you. Thank you. Well, folks, that's going to do it for today. I I hope that you all got something out of that because a lot of people are still suffering with this thing and trying to figure it out uh, and still being forced to take this shot in many cases. So you stand up, step up, speak up, refuse to back up because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.